Welcome to the Docklands in Dublin, where we're going to step aboard a very significant piece of Ireland's history. Now, you may have heard that Ireland has recently dropped all rules and restrictions uh, regarding COVID within the country over the last weekend. So yay, let's go to Ireland, right? So if you're planning your Ireland vacation and you want to know if your itinerary is doable or you want to get advice on activities that fit your interests, or maybe you've done so much research over the past couple of years that you're just overwhelmed with what you can see and do, I would love to help you create the perfect Ireland vacation with my Ireland Vacation Coaching or Custom Itinerary Services. You can learn more about those at irelandfamilyvacations.com backslash coach, C-O-A-C-H, to view the services that I have available. And if you use code PODCAST10, you'll save 10%. Now, let's head to Dublin and step aboard a bit of Ireland's history. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to the Traveling in Ireland podcast. I am so excited because it really looks like 2022 is going to be the year that we can start traveling again and really get back and explore Ireland. Now, one of the first places that people think of or stop on their tour is Dublin and it's well-deserved. Dublin is an amazing city with so very much to do. And so today I have David Cleary, who is the head of sales at Epic, the Irish Immigration Museum, and the Jeannie Johnson, an Irish famine story, joining me to talk about the Dublin Docklands and the Jeannie Johnson. So David, thank you so much for joining me today. A pleasure to join you, Jody. Delighted to be uh, to, to be speaking to you and to all your listeners. So if you've listened to the podcast for a fair amount of time, you've actually heard about Epic in the past. It was featured back in episode 31. And since its opening in 2016, the Epic Museum has been named the top visitor attraction in Europe. So not only Ireland, but Europe for three years in a row, 2019, 2020, and 2021 which is an amazing accomplishment and it's such an astounding experience that i think every visitor in dublin should make that time commitment to go and it's not an insignificant amount of time i think that two hours minimum is really what you should look at spending there i think so yeah like two hours is a, is a good time the average time that we find uh, people take is between 90 minutes and two hours I know when I first visited, before I started working at Epic, um, I spent about five or six hours there in total. So there's a lot of content to get through, but really, my really interesting. <laughs> my first visit was four hours and I only left because they were closing. So I completely, completely get it. But it is an astounding museum. And it's something that we could talk about for hours because there is so very much to it. But today we're actually focusing on an attraction that has been in Dublin for a bit longer, and that's the Jeannie Johnson. Um, so why don't you tell people a little bit about what the Jeannie Johnson is and why it's important? Well, I suppose it's really important because it's a physical 
thing that we have in Dublin city centre that points to one of the greatest or, or worst periods in, in Irish history. You know, um, it's it, it points directly to the Irish potato famine, which had a huge impact on Irish immigration. And Jody, you, you, you mentioned Epic uh, as part of the story of Irish immigration. Uh, one of the huge pieces of the story is the Irish potato famine. And so many people lost their lives, but also had to emigrate. Um, so the Jeannie Johnson is a ship that is located right on the um, on the harbour in the River Liffey. Um, the original Jeannie Johnson was built in 1847 uh, in Quebec in Canada. Um, and it was originally intended to be a cargo vessel. Um, and it was bought by Kerry Merchant. So that's how it ended over uh, up over in Ireland and, and became part of the famine story. Now, um, the current Jeannie Johnson is actually, actually a replica. Uh, it's an authentic replica, and it was actually built in Tralee in Ireland in 2002. So after its seafaring years from 2002 to 2008, um, it was moored in Dublin permanently, and then it became a museum to tell the story uh, of the Irish famine, to show people what life was like on board for, for people that were fleeing the famine. So it's a really, um, a really unique thing for people to come over uh, to, to Dublin and to experience, to be able to step on board and see what life was like for 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 people uh, fleeing Ireland, basically. Now, why the Jeannie Johnson? Because I know there were dozens of so termed coffin ships or famine ships that would make that that trip. So why is the is there a relevance to the Jeannie Johnson in history? Is there a reason that that was the one that was replicated or is that just kind of the way it happened? Um, I suppose part of it is just the way it happened, um, because it was Kerry Links. It was bought by by um, it was bought by by Kerry based merchants. Um, li like all of the coffin ships, as you said, is there's there's there were so many of them that were traveling um, on the routes during the, the Irish uh, potato famine. So between 1845 to approximately 1852 are the years that set kind of a seven year period where the potato uh, famine was happening in Ireland. And there were so many ships um, crossing the Atlantic um, to bring people over to North America. Um, the Jeannie Johnson, I suppose, stands out because it was one of the few ships that had a reputation for looking after its passengers much better than other ships. And we even mentioned it there, we call them coffin ships because the, the conditions on board uh, were so horrendous. You know, people, you know, if a ship went off with about 400 people on board, you know, there, there's a good chance that maybe 40 or 50 percent of them would have died on board through starvation, mm -hmm. through disease, uh, through cramped conditions on board. And hence the term coffin ship got coined. Um, so they're leaving Ireland or trying to leave Ireland from starvation to seek a new life. And they end up dying on board a coffin ship. Um, mm -hmm. And that's, I suppose, where the genie is a little bit different. Um, the, the, the owner of the ship, um, James, or the, the captain of the ship, James Attridge, um, he really believed in looking after his, his passengers, you know, not overloading the ship. Um, and he insisted on the presence of a qualified doctor on board for, for people. So Richard Blennerhassert was the doctor on board. So I suppose we're, we're all familiar in these days or the last two, two, two years or so <laughs> of... Um, you know, uh, quarantining and um, social distancing and things like that to stop the spread of disease. This is where the Jeannie Johnson kind of brings it right back to, to modern day is that on board the ship, the doctor, the captain, they were really strong on limiting the amount of people that were on board. You know, it was still cramped, you know, mm -hmm. by, by modern standards, mm -hmm. absolutely still cramped. But by limiting the amount of people to allow them to get up on up on deck um, for a couple of minutes every day to get some fresh air and um, to get certain amount of sustenance into them on, on the journey, because those journeys could have taken any, anywhere from 40 to 50 days on average. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. um, 
nobody lost their lives on the Jeannie Johnson, which is a, a staggering thing when we think of it as being a famine ship. Um, even after the famine, I mean, that's one of the unique things, and I'll give give one of the secrets of it away um, for for people who who won't get to come soon and visit the museum is that even even when the ship was sold and continued as a cargo vessel after the famine, uh, it sank in 1858, and even when it sank, still nobody lost their lives. The crew were able to 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 to, to hold on to the masts until a Dutch uh, a Dutch ship passed by. So you know, it's an incredible story. Uh, it's an incredible link to to history, to Irish history, and one of the one of the um, the most harrowing periods of our of our own um, story. You know. So let's dig into a little bit more about that experience of transport, because like you said, the Jeannie Johnson was very much um, almost people before profit, um, because a lot of those famine ships were just, I mean, packed to the gills. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, the Jeannie Johnson came with daily rations as part of the ticket. And a lot of them didn't. A lot of it was what you could carry on. So the Jeannie Johnson really had that difference in transport. But what are what were people kind of looking at? Were there on the Jeannie, were there different levels of passenger? Um, no, uh, no. no, I suppose everyone was, um, it, it took, the, the most it ever took on one of its journeys was 253 passengers, um, and it was quite a small ship, like you mm -hmm. have been on the ship, some of your, your listeners hopefully will get to come and come and see it uh, in person, they'll see from the images, it is quite a small ship, mm -hmm. you know, but even with 250 uh, passengers, there would have been quite cramped conditions, and it wasn't what we think of when we think of the old <laughs> beautiful ocean liners where there's a first class and a second class, and, and then there's steerage. It was very much just everyone in together in the kind of the bunks mm -hmm. and the cabins um, for people just to kind of um, it, it was really an escape from Ireland. You know, it wasn't something that they, I suppose they wanted to do. Um, it was something that they needed to do. Um, a lot of the people were were fleeing or uh, fleeing famine, but also um, th th they were evicted from their land. They had no other option. Um, sometimes the, the, the landlords, it was cheaper for them, the landlords to buy them a ticket. On, on, a, on a vessel like the Jeannie Johnson um, than, than it was to keep them on, the, on their land and, and, and let, them, let them starve. You know, it was kind of, it was, it was just a horrible, horrible um, time in, in Irish history. Um, but yeah, it was everyone, everyone in together, really, you know, up to 253 passengers. Um, so uh, everyone seemed to get on um, very, very well. And, and, and part of the story, part of the museum experience nowadays on the replica famine ship, is uh, telling those individual stories about people, you know, what they, uh, what, where they were coming from, uh, why they were leaving Ireland, um, or where they were leaving Ireland from, where they had gone on to. There were 16 uh, transatlantic voyages in total that Jeannie Johnson undertook. So it's starting to explain some of the stories, not only about life, what life was like on board, and, and as you say, uh, uh, as to the rations, um, but people, you know, how, how they got on uh, when they arrived in their new world. You know, they didn't all just step off a boat and carried on with their lives. They, they had to go into quarantine uh, in Gros Seal in Canada. You know, so there was the, the genie was only part of the journey that they were going on, you know. And it was one of, I suppose, one of those harrowing when you're at, at sea for an average of 45 days, you know. Very much so. And visiting a ship like that is a really emotional experience, partially because like you said, you are telling those individual personal stories, which when, you know, like when you're a mom and you're standing there with your your children who are nine and 10, and they're talking about this family that fit in this 
eight by eight square of space and they had five kids and two parents and here's where they can, I mean, it, you can't help but feel that in the pit of your gut as a parent. Um, so it really is an emotional experience when you are, you know, on board that ship, seeing how it, how it really was. Um, what other kinds of, of things can people expect when they do that tour? Well, I suppose one of, one of the greater things is is not only seeing what conditions were like on board and trying to place yourself into what it was like as an Irish emigrant fleeing the famine. It's a, it's actually the location of where the ship is. So we're moored right on the River Liffey. Uh, you mentioned Epic earlier on. We're, we're moored right beside the Epic uh, Museum uh, in Dublin's Docklands area. So even stepping onto this ship, it's beautiful. The craftsmanship of, of, of the ship is absolutely stunning. The masts, it's something very different on the on the skyline uh, of Dublin and in the city centre. And of course, on the River Liffey, it's something really, really striking. So when people are on the upper deck and they're going through their, their guided tour with our wonderful... Um, our wonderful guides you know they get to go up to the wheelhouse uh, of the ship and they're they're seeing dublin and dublin skyline from a little bit of a different view the famous samuel beckett bridge which is the bridge of the ship like a harp they're getting fantastic photo opportunities on the ship as well uh, and then obviously they go down they go down um under deck and they see what life was like and, and what the conditions were like and to tell some of the stories about the individual people you know um but I suppose that's one of the key things is is the location uh, where we are. You know, when people are there, just beautiful looking out on the River Liffey, it's, it's seeing Dublin from a little bit of a different side as well, you know. Very much so. Now, let's you mentioned the Docklands. So let's be sure we talk about that area a little bit. That's probably a term that when people have been researching their trip to Dublin or they've heard about a trip to Dublin, it's not probably something that people have mentioned. And it's... Um, I think to me, it's something that has really just built up over the past maybe six years, um, the the experiences around the area. So can you talk about the Docklands area and the significance of it? Yeah, I suppose the, the Dublin, um, as you know, Jody, and, and some, of your, some of your listeners may know, it's, it's, it's a quite a compact city, but it's made up of a lot of different smaller communities, like different areas of Dublin. Um, and I suppose it's about identity. We have the Docklands area, which is built around the docks at the port of Dublin, um, and it leads right up the River Liffey, right up to the Custom House, which is one of the most famous buildings in, in Dublin itself. Um, We've also got other areas, other little villages, village fields in, in Dublin, uh, places like Liberties, you've got Glasnevin, um, you've got the Grafton Quarter, you know, you've got up around Merrion Square. So there's all these pockets of places in Dublin, which is still, it makes up Dublin city centre. And the Docklands, even though it might sound like it's outside the city, it's right back bang smack in the, in, in the centre of the city. Um, where the Jeannie Johnson is located and Epic, we're about a 10 minute walk from O'Connell Street, which is the main street in Dublin. Um, it just so happens that the Docklands area is full of history linked to emigration, linked to the, uh, the maritime uh, story of, of Dublin. Uh, and it really is obviously linked with the River Liffey, which strikes through the heart of Dublin to you have your north side and your south side of, of Dublin. Um, the Docklands, I suppose, over, as you mentioned, over the last six years and even even beyond has really changed. It used to be obviously a really industrial area, uh, lots of warehouses, lots of kind of um, lots of lots of life between the, the, the changing between the industrial age and the more modern tech age, whereas Ireland has grown and particularly Dublin. So. If people haven't been to Ireland in maybe those five or six years, if they come down to the Docklands, they will see a huge change in the area. 
there's lots of modern buildings gone up, um, but it's mixed of the old and new. So we've got the striking uh, old building, the CHQ building, which is where Epic is located, an old whiskey wine tobacco warehouse over 200 years old. You've got the Jeannie Johnson. But then right beside that, you'll have uh, the headquarters for Facebook and Google and, and, and Airbnb and all these huge tech companies all within the Docklands area. Um, so it's a real it's a really nice place for people to go walking along, you know, because it's a real different side to Dublin. People maybe uh, haven't seen or experienced before. Um, and because of lots of people living there and working there, there's lots of great bars and restaurants and there's a lot of life and a lot of vibrancy around the Docklands area. Uh, so it's really, really unique. So people can go and take boat trips uh, from the Docklands and go out to Dunleary or go out to Hoth from, from the city centre as well. So um, it, it, it's a kind of a... It's a great place to be located for for the museums, you know, and there's so much to do in in the area, and um, that we're we're yeah we're we're delighted to be to be moored right alongside. And it is a really easy walk if you're staying around the Temple Bar area or even, um, you know, down O'Connell Street a bit. It's you know it's a what 10, 15 minute walk from there, but really it's it's a very simple walk. It's easy to get to, or you can hop on one of the uh what the, the uh hop on hop off buses all go through there and then of course the dublin um the dublin buses go through there too so it's very easy to get to very easily accessible but i think if you walk along the river um you just you get that feeling of kind of the history of dublin as well as the future of dublin it all kind of you you kind of walk through history in a way along that um, that riverside route. And then you do have those incredibly heartbreaking famine sculptures there too. Um, that, I mean, again, it's it's one of those things that'll just rip your heart out. <laughs> they are, they're haunting, they're harrowing, um, but they're beautiful. Um, so located right outside the Jeannie Johnson and Epic in, in the Docklands area are those famine statues that you mentioned, Jody. Um, they're by a famous sculptor called Rowan Gillespie. Um, and they're depicting the story of um, the Irish people that would have walked to the Docklands area in Dublin, would have got, boarded their boats to, to, to go um, uh, and emigrate. Um, so they're really haunting. Um, they show them kind of in a, in a, in a state of, of, of hunger and starvation. Um, really, really kind of, um, yeah. It, it, kind of it feels, they feel hopeless. In all hopeless, honesty, but it it, it 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 goes back to what you said earlier on about emotion. You you can't mm -hmm. help but but just be solemn and emotional when you see it, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and the location of where they are is actually the end point of um of a new feature, uh, a new walk called the National Famine Way, and it goes from Strokestown House in County Roscommon. Um, and it's a beautiful walk of 165 kilometers, um, and it recreates the story of the, uh, the, the, the 1490, so 1,490 emigrants that were evicted from Strokestown Estate uh, during the Irish famine had to walk, were escorted by bailiff to Dublin, right to that point to where the famine statues are, to board ships like the Jeannie Johnson and to board ships uh, to, to emigrate. Um, so that's part of the National Famine Way. So the centre... Uh, where we have Jeannie and the famine statues and Epic, it's really a strong connection to emigration. So anyone, any of your listeners that are planning to come to Ireland and may have Irish heritage, you know, in terms of emigration stories and in terms of that story of people uh, going abroad, it's a real, um, real close link to, to that story. And it's a fantastic place where they can come down and find out about their emigrants to genealogy services that we offer on site. Or even if they wanted to come and do some of that walk, 
um, there's a there's a passport, a fantastic passport uh, with the National Famine Way where people can walk some of the route and get stamped passports, kind of like the Camino de Santiago in Spain, something similar. Um, and it's beautiful walks. And, and along the route, there are statues, there are um, little um, little things to, to tell you some of the story about the, the, the 1490, the people that walked from Strokestown to give you a bit of an insight into that story. And again, you know, to, to finish at the famine statues and the Jeannie Johnson is... It, it brings it all back, you know. That that uh, National Famine Way just made it to the top of my um, my Ireland bucket list, I think. That, uh, gosh, because it's, it, I mean, again, talking about walking through history. Um, mm. I do want to mention you, uh, you talked about tracing your Irish history. And within Epic is the Irish Family History Center. Now, back in podcast episode 88, I talked with Declan Brady, who is a genealogist and historian there. So if uh, genealogy, tracing your family history is something that you are interested in, do be sure to go back and listen to that podcast. But David, can you tell us just a little bit about that partnership between Epic and the Irish Family History Center? Yeah, so we partner with um, with the team at the Irish Family History Centre on site in Epic. So at the end of the Epic experience, people have the option to go in and visit a genealogist. So if they do have Irish heritage or they think they have any Irish heritage, they can arrange to sit down um, for a private consultation with some of the genealogists like Declan and his colleagues. Um, and the great thing about it is everyone's family history is unique. You know, everyone has a different story. Um, so for the people that may have done years and years of research into their family history and maybe have hit a brick wall and just need a little bit of expert advice as to what to do next, um, or the, for the people that are starting at the very start and just have an inkling that they're, they, they maybe have done a DNA test and they've been told that they're 10% Irish, you know, they can sit down with the genealogist and they can go and trace their ancestry and start to fill in their family tree. And they can really start to con connect with their family and their, their own history. You know, they really start to see, you know, where, where the names might come from, you know, where their family would have come from in Ireland. And particularly um, what, what's great about the Irish Family History Centre and Declan and the team, they actually offer online consultations for people as well. So even before people leave, leave um, North America, they can, they, can, they can do an online consultation um, like a Zoom or, a, or a, um, a, a Microsoft Teams chat uh, with them. Um, and then they can they can visit Ireland and they can plan their vacation around maybe what they found out as to where their family have come from. So there's a really nice, nice link there for 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 the genealogy story, you know. So we've just given people like a full half day in Dublin. It's like you start at the Genie Johnson at noon and then you spend the rest of your day in Epic. Um, and, and really, you can do that. Um, it's very easy to do. So can you tell people um where they can buy tickets where they can find more information and if you have any very active social sites that maybe they can follow along with things that are happening sure yeah so the main uh, website for the genie johnson is geniejohnson.ie um and they can go and buy our tickets on uh, online there um the the tickets would be for a 50 minute guided tour so a fantastic guides that bring people on on that journey uh, on the ship uh, it's 12 euro for adults um and it's 7 euro for for kids to come uh, and enjoy um they can then as you said go across the road to epic um chq.com is the website and they can buy tickets there we actually offer combination tickets so if people want to do the both they can take and make a little bit of a saving if they plan to do both of those um but they're 
right across the road from each other. So it really just means that they can do the two together and, and, and plan around that. And there's lots of cafes, bars and restaurants in the location as well. So um, they can really make that half day and, and make it really easy for themselves, you know. Very much so. Now, finally, before I let you go, um, Dublin is a really popular destination for people who are visiting Ireland. It's usually a first or last stop because the majority of people fly out of the Dublin airport. So if you were to give three top tips for visitors to Dublin, what would they be? And I know three is hard three. because there's so much. <laughs> if you're spending a few days in Dublin, don't forget to order your Dublin Pass. With entry into over 35 attractions and tours across the city, the Dublin Pass will help you save time and money. You can learn more and order yours at irelandfamilyvacations.com backslash Dublin Pass. Um, well, I'm I'm from Limerick myself, and but I live in Dublin. So I've lived in Dublin for the last 12 years, and I'm still finding new things to do and new places to see and, uh, and go to in Dublin. Um, one of my favourite things to do in Dublin myself, and I always recommend it to people coming over visiting for the first time, is to just walk around the city. As we mentioned earlier on, it's a small, compact city. You can walk everywhere if you want to, uh, made up of loads of different kind of village fields and different neighbourhoods. Um, definitely walking um, through the city. If you're here, uh, you know, even if people are, are, are flying out and they only have an afternoon in Dublin, you can still easily walk around and get to mm -hmm. most places between Temple Bar and Grafton Street and O'Connell Street and down to Epic and, and Jeannie Johnson. Um, because the thing you get from walking around the city as you mentioned it, you you pick up the history. You cannot help but notice the the old world and the new world. You know, there's been thousands of songs and poems and, and, and books written about Dublin and the life and the atmosphere of the Irish people. So to just stroll around and to pick up, you know, the sounds and the, 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 the sights of the city, to hear the buskers on Grafton Street, it's just such a great thing. Uh, there's such a vibrancy about people hearing people, hearing different voices, different accents. Um, and then I suppose you'd, you'd be remiss to not enjoy the, the, the food and drink in Dublin as well. So um, lots of people, when they're coming to the city, will seek out, you know, the top places to go. And, and um, sometimes what I find, rather than recommending individual places, go with your gut. As you're strolling around, if you like the look of a place, go in and see what it's like and enjoy a pint or enjoy a, a lunch. Because the, as you'll know, the standard of food and drink in Ireland and particularly in Dublin is just, it's just fantastic. Yeah. You know, I've never had a bad this, meal. Yeah. Whether you're going for the real old traditional Irish stuff or you want the more modern European cuisine, it, it's got so mm -hmm. much to offer. Um, in terms of pubs, one of my favorite pubs in Dublin uh, is the Long Hall. I absolutely love it. It's a real old, just a traditional Irish pub. Um, they don't serve food. They just you just go in and just enjoy a pint, a pint, and, and watch the world go by. Um, in terms of getting out, in terms in terms of activity, there's two things that I always say to people that I think they should do. Uh, one would be to go to Phoenix Park. Um, so it's just located right on the edge of the city. They can walk there, but the best way to go is maybe catch the Lewis, um, and they or they can jump on one of the Dublin bikes and and and, and scoot around that way. Um, Phoenix Park is 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 a huge park. It's it's Europe's largest urban park. It's um, twice the size of uh, Central Park in New York. A lot of people yep. don't realize that it is massive. It is huge, and there's so many different pockets of areas of things to do. But even if you, you know, whether you go to the zoo or you go and just look at the the, the beautiful statues and the beautiful buildings uh, where our president um, lives, um, well, there's also deer that roam around Phoenix Park. So you can just go up and 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 visit those. Um, 
But the top thing to do, I think, um, would be to go and jump on the train or the dart system and go to Hoth. I absolutely adore Hoth. I think it's one of the most beautiful villages in Ireland. Um, Dublin, as you know, is it, it's surrounded by the sea. Um, uh, it, it's lots of coastal fishing villages. And Hoth, I think, is the pick of those. Um, it's a beautiful, there's a beautiful walk around the peninsula the Hoth Peninsula so you can go up and uh, you can do a little bit of that walk and get some of the best views in Dublin uh, if you do the full thing you can kind of come all the way around the head and you can see the city again and see the whole of South County Dublin on a clear day so it's absolutely stunning um, and then you can come back into the village and you can uh, reward yourself with some of the freshest fish and chips that you'll ever uh, you'll ever have and enjoy a pint uh, uh, as well so there's just some of the things that I, I would recommend people to do and that's, of course, presuming that they are all <laughs> coming to visit us in Jeannie Johnson and in it. Excellent. And for those who uh, wondered when David said the Lewis, the Lewis is the light rail system in Dublin. And it will take you um, from kind of the, the city center out to some areas that are um, inside Dublin proper. So you're not hopping on the actual train or the dart, but uh, it's just a, a little bit more direct than maybe hopping on a bus. <laughs> There, yeah, the Lewis, the, that, that tram system is so, so handy just for people to get around quickly and easily if they mm -hmm. need to. Um, but it is on, it is all on a surface level. It's, it's effectively a metro, but on a surface level. Um, and you just, that's the sounds and the sights of the city now, Dublin, you know, the, the ding ding of the Lewis passing by. It's really, uh, and it, that sometimes the Lewis, just to hop on it and to see the sights from a different view, because you go around Trinity College on the Lewis and it's quite a unique, uh, a unique view to cross cross the Liffey uh, on the Lewis as well and go right by the GPO. So it's, uh, yeah, it's something to do as well. Yeah, it's it's a great way to get a feel for Dublin. I, I kind of, um, I always mix my, how I get around Dublin. So it'll be, you know, maybe a little bit on the hop on hop off bus because that's really, really handy if you want to visit kind of those hot spots. And then, like you said, getting out to Phoenix Park on the Lewis, um, takes you through some areas that you're going to see differently or some areas that you aren't going to get to on foot. So, and getting around Dublin is just so, so easy because, and for goodness sake, do not take a car into Dublin. Am I right? You don't need it. It's a waste. You know, you're, you're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're, you'll be paying for parking and paying for the privilege of having the car. Um, there's no need, you know, between walking and some of those public transport. Um, yeah, you, you really just don't need well, it. Well, and Dublin is not a joy to drive in either. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm used to it now, but yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not the easiest city in the world, you know, really even, isn't. even being a little used to it, like I am, I still avoid driving in Dublin at all costs. It just, it's not worth the stress that it, that it, it really gives isn't. me. No. <laughs> well, David, I really want to thank you for all of the information you shared. Um, the Jeannie Johnson is really just such a treasure for, um, for the history of Ireland and even, you know, the history of those with family who came from Ireland. It's just such an amazing place to visit and, you know, paired with Epic, it, it really is a perfect half day in Dublin. Yeah, no, um, thank you. We're something we're very, very proud of and we're really looking forward to getting back to normal, um, hopefully later this year and welcoming many, many more um, North Americans to come and visit us and to, for us to tell our story. Excellent. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Traveling in Ireland podcast. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave a five-star review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Amazon, Spotify, 
or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you can't leave a review, I would love it if you would visit the Ireland Family Vacations Facebook page and leave a review there or take a screenshot and tag me at Ireland Family Vacations on Instagram with a few kind words. If you have questions or comments, you can always email me, Jody, J-O-D-Y, at IrelandFamilyVacations.com. Until next time, slime the fall.